0: Welcome to Overdrive, a program where we look at the wide and wonderful world of motoring and transport. I'm David Brown, and in this program we look at news stories including cars caught in the VW Dieselgate scandal could be taken off the roads in Victoria. We talk with Professor Mikhail Bleemer from the University of Sydney about how a road user charge would work and what benefits we could get out of it. We have been to the launch of Kia's new Cerato and we give our impressions. And in our panel discussion with Brian Smith and Errol Smith, we take a light-hearted look at stories including the Jackson Mayor in the United States says he will pray potholes away. Have a question or a comment? Send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. You can hear longer versions of the interviews, road test and quirky news by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au or podcast, the whole program from iTunes or your favourite podcast service. Now, to start the program,
1: let's have the news. Overdrive was once doing a radio interview about the Volkswagen emission scandal when the interviewer asked why would you take your car in to get fixed if you were getting better power and fuel economy under the existing conditions. You would of course be generating more pollution, but this didn't seem to matter. Now Fairfax Media is reporting Victoria's licensing and registration body, Vicks Roads, will consider taking cars caught up in the Volkswagen Dieselgate scandal off the road unless they are repaired under recall by the manufacturer. Volkswagen Group has issued a voluntary recall for almost 100,000 cars in Australia, which it admitted were producing as much as 40 times the legal limit for emissions. According to the AGE newspaper, Vic Rhodes has confirmed it does have the power to suspend the registration of impacted Volkswagen, Audi and Skoda models unless they are fixed under the recall. There is a belief that the
0: motor car is becoming less of a trophy for people and more of a mobility choice. This is being shown in the readiness of many people to rent out their car. A survey commissioned by the Ford Motor Company found that of the 10,016 people surveyed across five countries in Europe, up to 55% would share their car for money compared with 44% who would share their home, 33% who would share their mobile phone, and just 17% who would even share their dog.
1: General Motors in America will compensate owners of three large SUV models for misstated fuel economy figures displayed on window stickers. GM has issued a stop sale order for the 2016 Buick Enclave, the Chevrolet Traverse, And the GMC Arcadia. The EPA fuel economy ratings on window stickers for these models were found to be inaccurate. Replacement stickers have been sent out but GM found that 168,000 of the affected vehicles had already been sold. BMW appears to be the car company
0: that has the most to fear from electric car maker Tesla. Financial services company Bloomberg discovered that more than a quarter of Tesla buyers had also considered a BMW. Along with BMW, two other German brands, Audi and Mercedes-Benz, were in the top five brands Tesla buyers had looked at. The data showed that other luxury brands, including Cadillac, Infiniti, Jaguar, Land Rover and Lincoln, were much less likely to be considered by Tesla buyers. A number of non-luxury brands also showed up high on the list of Tesla competitors, such as other electric hybrid cars like the Toyota Prius and the Nissan Leaf. Flying in the luxury of a modern jet aeroplane might be considered as the pinnacle of travel, but it is only part of a total transport mix. Now Heathrow Airport has appointed Ali Jafari as the world's first dedicated airport cycle officer. This is part of a one-year cycle partnership between Heathrow and Sustrains, the UK's foremost cycling and walking charity. One of the intentions of the new position is to get their 16,500 local colleagues who live within five kilometres of the airport onto bikes. The partnership will work to make the airport cycle routes safer, more accessible and train airport colleagues to feel more confident on their bikes.
1: In the UK, a number of transport planners have been encouraged by a recent speech by the Queen. A modern transport bill to encourage investment in driverless cars, drones and space planes was part of the Queen's speech with the aim of reducing congestion and making journeys safer. The government declares that modern transportation can make more efficient use of roads, railways and airspace, speeding up journeys for people and goods, as it lays out plans to cut red tape and ensure appropriate insurance is available for autonomous vehicles. The bill would also set the framework for a space port and for commercial drone operations, as the government highlighted a prediction that drone production would soar from current worldwide market of $4 billion annually to $414 billion within 10 years. Toyota and Lexus has now sold a total of 9 million hybrid vehicles around the world, including more than 85,000 vehicles in Australia. Toyota estimates that these hybrid vehicles have saved their owners 25 billion litres of petrol, enough fuel theoretically for each of their cars to travel around the earth, and then some. Toyota also estimates its hybrid vehicles have resulted in approximately 67 million fewer tons of CO2 emissions than would have been emitted by petrol-powered vehicles of similar size and driving performance. While it took 10 years for Toyota to achieve 1 million global hybrid sales, it has sold 8 million in the past 9 years and has averaged more than 1 million hybrid sales a year since 2009. And that has been the news.
0: Not long ago, we had another federal government budget. And like practically all budgets, the public discussion of the transport component focused on the total allocation of funds and a few big projects. The full budget papers actually listed a wider range of transport projects, But these are details that are not going to be part of the public debate. The budget was symbolic to the extent that it showed that the federal government is prepared to give more money to public transport initiatives. But a budget like this does little to send the message about the need for structural reform. The same applies with medical funding. It is not enough to just say the government has increased the funding level and they are going to build a few big showcase infrastructure projects like the occasional hospital. Some new hospitals are undoubtedly necessary, but governments, medical practitioners and the public will have to come to grips with the fact that we need to work out some areas where we can still provide a good service, but without spending as much money. Professor McHeel Bleemer is Professor in Transport and Logistics Network Modelling at the University of Sydney's Institute of Transport and Logistics Studies. I caught up with Professor Bleemer and asked him about the need for a road user tax as a policy initiative in order to acquire funds but also affect transport demand.
2: Well, first of all, I wouldn't call it a tax because tax is a very negative word, so that's also not good for, for getting it accepted by people you should more see it as that you're paying for something that is of benefit to you so you pay for something but hopefully you'll get something in return as well and currently if you are on the roads uh, stuck in congestion um, you're paying in travel time so maybe it takes you now 30 minutes and using user pays and having more efficient ways of spreading the traffic over the whole network during different times you can actually decrease the travel time for the people.
0: So you're actually paying for a service. It's not just a general tax. It's a specific payment to get a specific benefit.
2: Yes. So we see it usually as you get a benefit out of it as well. But on the other hand, of course, you do have the um, the, the funding model. So some toll roads are specifically designed to to generate revenues. But that's not necessarily... The only goal of of user charging, usually congestion charging, is to decrease congestion, and that is not for for funding the, the road system.
0: In fact, the toll systems we have at the moment to pay for specific projects are really charging people a high price for using the road, if they're going to use the road at all, using the road that we want them to use. We want them to go on a bypass road or a road that's not going through residential or commercial areas, mm-hmm. yet we charge them a very high amount to go on that road and make it no direct charge to go on the road we don't want them to go on.
2: Yes, so that, that may seem counterintuitive, but that's because the goal of these toll roads are, are different. So they're not to just uh, decrease the congestion. They're essentially to create the, the revenues for the investors, So because roads are so expensive, we usually need to have private investors to to come on board and they want something in return and that's what usually is that toll. They pay for part of the construction of the roads. They want to see a funding coming back in terms of tolls And that is not necessarily the goal of minimizing congestion. That's more maximizing the revenues for them.
0: There's a whole issue there on whether we implement transport in order to just achieve a financial goal versus other goals such as equity and function of the city.
2: That's right. So usually when we think of user charging system or road pricing reform in general, the very first thing you do is think about what is the goal? What do we want to achieve? Is it financing the road infrastructure, or is it decreasing congestion, or is it maximizing equity? So that goal underlying determines what, in the end, the the road pricing structure looks like.
0: How would this work? You would charge per kilometre? Is that the general vision?
2: If you talk to different transport economists, they usually share the idea that paying for what you're using is is the best model, and that would mean then, in most cases, a charge per kilometre but that's not necessarily the same charge throughout the day. So it could be that you have to pay more per kilometre in busy areas or during a peak period whereas it's cheaper to travel outside a peak period because there's less congestion so you're contributing less to the travel time of, of other people. Professor Michael
0: Bleema is Professor in Transport and Logistics Network Modelling at the University of Sydney's Institute of Transport and Logistics Studies. The longer interview with Professor Bleemer can be heard on our website at drivenmedia.com.au where he talks about where Australia is in world terms, about the amount of money that is taxed on road users. He also mentions an initiative in the Netherlands where they offered rewards for people driving outside the peak period. And there is many ways we could apply a road user charge, but he thinks we have to keep it simple. You're listening to Overdrive. Kia is striving to be seen as a car company that sells products based on quality, not just a low price. But with their latest midlife upgrade for their Kia Cerato, they have worked hard to have an entry-level vehicle that is just under the magic price point of $20,000. I spoke with their COO, Damien Meredith. He says there is a reality of the market. This segment is the largest in Australia, but the numbers are declining. And so far this year, the whole segment is down 5.3%. It's super competitive. And while the quality of the cars, their looks and the range of features are all important, it's still strongly price-driven. Kia predicts that 60% of their sales of the new Cerato will be the base model. Now, the Serato is in what I would call a small-medium class and competes with a range of some of the best-known cars in Australia. The top-selling Corolla, the Mazda 3, the Hyundai i30, the VW Golf and Holden Cruze, and in sixth place, the Kia Serato. The Serato is Kia's best-selling model. Now, motoring journalist Alan and I went on the launch of the new Serato, and he joins me on the line to discuss the vehicle. Alan, thanks very much for your time.
3: You're welcome, David. My pleasure.
0: It's a mid-life makeover, but it's more than just a new grill and tail lights, isn't it?
3: It is. It's uh, they've put a new engine in it, or, or should I say, they've selected a different engine from their range. They've gone from a, a multi-point. Just they've gone to a multi-point engine from a direct injection,
0: which some would see as going down downstream a bit. Uh, I guess price is a, a driving factor.
3: I didn't ask that of them. Um, We definitely asked the question, but I'm not quite sure I understood the answer. I would say yes, it's price.
0: That's not to say that it's a bad engine, 7.1 litres per 100, same in the manual as the automatic. We'll talk about gearboxes in a little while, so it's not as if it's uh, particularly uh, bad, it's just that it seems as though it's not the most advanced technology, but again, let me say that I don't think that's... A particular thing. The Koreans are strong in this market. Hyundai gives a different name to its sedan, the Elantra and the hatchback, the i30. If you combine the two, they'd have the best-selling car in the market. And now Kia, it's sixth with the Cerato. They reckon they'll take fifth place from Holden Cruise, it was 11th place not that many years ago, so it's really been doing well for Kia, hasn't it?
3: It has. Uh, In fact, all Kia models um, have improved out of sight in my view, and their sales reflect that they've uh, increased a few percent each year at least, and the quality certainly of their new releases is just extraordinary.
0: The interesting point about the price—they have a manual at nineteen nine ninety drive away—that's basically twenty thousand dollars. And drive away, I think, is really the very important point. But the interesting thing for the moment, and possibly well into the future, their base model automatic is also nineteen nine ninety drive away. That's a big message, isn't it?
3: It is. Well, I, I spent quite a bit of time with the uh, the product manager or the product people, the planners, the ones that actually put the packages together and then they put it to the CEO or Mr. Chow or SH as he likes to be called. And he makes a sort of a decision on, yes, you know, we'll go with this or we'll go with that. And then the product managers liaise with Korea. So that's how we get what we get. So they have a meeting and decide that, uh, say, 20000 is this price point over which they do not want to cross for the base model. And then they try and <clears throat> I beg your pardon, try and squeeze as much as they can into it, which is why the base model doesn't have that 7-inch um, infotainment system.
0: Now, in fact, the base model, as we say, is $10 under the 20000 You have to have a white car for that. I think it's an extra $500 for any colour above that. And they do have a $500 option pack which gives you that 7-inch touchscreen. I would think for resale values in the future, not to have the 7-inch touchscreen would be crazy. It's easy just to say, oh, add $500, but, boy, I would think that would be a value added to the vehicle.
3: Especially as how uh, other cars have that uh, large screen all the way through their model range, like Honda Civic, the new Honda Civic, uh, which goes on the market uh, in a week or two. Uh, But I think the important thing to note is that the base model serato in a manual the option isn't available it's only in the automatic and that's alan
0: zervis talking about the latest kia serato just launched onto the market if you would like to hear a longer interview with alan go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au you're listening to overdrive And now it's time for some more quirky news. Well, fortunately, we're joined once again by Brian Smith and Errol Smith. Gentlemen, thank you for your time.
4: day, David. No
0: worries, David. Errol, you start us with a story of devout belief. Yes,
5: this is a, a showing of true faith, David. This is from the uh, mayor for Jackson in Mississippi. He's announced that, yes, I believe we can pray potholes away. Moses prayed and the sea opened up. Now, I believe that the Lord does work in mysterious ways, though perhaps not in a high-vis vest with an asphalt truck.
4: (laughs) Blessed are the fly-in, fly-out workers.
0: I think he answers prayer. I distinctly heard him say, take up thy shovel, mix some tar, and put it in the hole.
4: (laughs) So pothole offends thee? If you take
0: this literally, all it means is if you have a puddle full of water, the waters will depart. And you can drive through, if you take the Moses example in a very literal sense. I don't want the
5: sea to open up. I want the pothole to close over.
4: <laughs> do, you, do you think perhaps instead of then employing road workers, they could just employ sort of parishioners in the council?
0: <laughs> Faith healers.
4: Yeah, candles, light a candle.
0: <laughs> Laying on of hands.
4: That would work as long as they were hands with shovels.
5: <laughs> I was wondering, what else could we pray away? Because I, I think potholes is, is not aiming very high. Right. Right. I was thinking, you know, more, more congestion, road tolls, you know, that broken car stuck in the
0: middle of the expressway. Oh,
4: yeah, They yeah. do that quite regularly with a few, oh yeah, oh, my gods.
0: My car is possessed by an evil spirit.
4: Yeah, I guess you could always mix up, uh, you know, curses uh, which were sort of non-denominational. With uh, more denominational ones, just to see, you know, who's listening. The
0: thing is that Americans love their individual mobility, and the Bible doesn't mention public transport.
4: I think it does, isn't it, David? Isn't there somebody's train filling a temple? <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty think, sure. I
0: think... <laughs> but of course, this guy, this uh, mayor of. Uh, Jackson in Mississippi in the US, yeah. He also gets angry at people. He he put out a tweet that said, I am disgusted to know that there are public officials, both present and past, who were deliberate obstructionists in my Costco efforts. So what he's going to do is he's going to call down 10 plagues.
4: (laughs) (laughs) 10 plagues probably means 10 more Costco's. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> i believe psalm 7 says whoever digs a hole and scoops it out fail, falls into the pit they have made And i guess that's a nice bit of philosophy and i guess it's the genesis if oh, you pardon the expression of the expression about digging a deeper hole and, and being in it
5: mm. or oh, a deeper pothole in this case
0: in a literal translation and then of that it's really trucks who cause the most damage so we should be thinking of the freight industry as the work of the devil,
4: should we? Well, let's have Lindsay Fox on the show.
0: On a serious note, I have a little bit of problem with praying to fix a pothole when there are starving children in the world. Yes, Brian, you have a story for us,
4: David. It's an interesting story. It's about um, you know parallels between uh, good government and good driving. A group of thinkers have have done some research, and and they believe that there's a correlation between the rate of motor vehicle deaths in a country and government corruption. And so they've, they've kind of uh, used it as an example. Romania, for example, a middle-income country, recently struggled to root out corruption, but which has uh, you know, serious accidents. And, and another one is, is Thailand, which is the highest rate of traffic for South in the world, and where corruption um, is responsible for damaging international trade deals. Iran is another, almost as many deaths as uh, as Thailand, and um, where the government is completely sanctioned by lots of others. So it was a 2010 study, we can look it up. It's um, these correlations between governance and traffic deaths uh, very strong. So, if you're in a country where you know people are driving like maniacs, then it's highly likely the government is uh, not working correctly.
0: I think you have to be careful: coincidence, correlation, or causation but i think there may be something but of course spurious correlations have been noted for a long time if you plot the per capita cheese consumption in america it is very similar very very, very closely n- nearly 95% correlation with the number of people who died by becoming tangled in their bed sheets <laughs>
4: There's possibly confirmation bias at work here too, I suppose. <laughs> if we if we decide that um, lower traffic fatalities means better order rather than better investment, it may just be confirmation mm. bias. They
5: had some theories though. One of the comments was that, that there are countries where police are powerless or unwilling to enforce the laws and as a result the drivers tend to ignore the laws. Poor policing, then people tend to break the law more, which kind of just yeah, kind of makes Yeah, they, they
4: even matched it to income, so they said that... As countries become wealthier, fatalities increase until income reaches a level around ten or $11,000 per capita. And then uh, once that increases, then um, traffic deaths uh, go downward.
0: I think there might be multivariable factors in there. But uh, I've got to say, Errol, to take up your point too, if the police are corrupt, then all traffic laws are seen as a farce.
5: Yes, Obviously not very serious if you can just hand the guy a a, 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 a tenner and he lets you go, yeah.
0: The other thing is corruption is fundamentally carrying out activity with no regard for other people. The fact that you disadvantage other people is irrelevant, that you have done well. Well, you could apply that in a driver sense. If I hit someone or a high speed or what have you, if it's a disadvantage to someone else, I don't care. I have a an attitude, a culture of indifference. Mm. Now, in fact, there was a paper written called Corruption, Automobility, Cultures and Road Traffic Deaths, The Perfect Storm in Rapidly Motorised Countries. It seems to be rather true in more developing countries, although... If you look at the internet, Russia has an awful lot of accidents.
4: Oh, the car, the um...
5: video clips. That's because they won't uh, no, they won't give insurance in Russia if you don't have a dash cam for evidence. So as a result, there are there are much more dash cam videos of what goes on there. It's just interesting that the, basically so the way to solve deaths on our roads is to root out corruption. So who do I have to pay
0: off to make that happen?
4: <laughs> Get to work. <laughs>
0: Well, let me say that it has been shown that if you're texting while driving, you're eight times more likely to have an accident, in some, in some research. If you are in an emotional state, upset or perhaps angry, but certainly upset, you are ten times more likely to have an accident. So right. your emotional state is a big determinant in your accident risk. You really shouldn't emotionally text. I'll skip for travel. Ah, oh dear. Absolutely right. Errol, you have a story.
5: Well, as anyone who's had the misfortune of needing an ambulance has found, they're not always free, and it varies depending on what part of the world you're in. In Beijing, an 80-kilometre ambulance ride cost 3601 about half the monthly salary for an average worker there. So to counter complaints of ambulance drivers overcharging patients... They are now being fitted with taxi meters. So basically you're dying, but you've got another concern, which is how, how the price is going up as you approach the hospital.
4: Add stress cause heart problems.
0: What if you're halfway to the hospital and you realise you can't afford anymore? I'll walk
4: the rest wallet of the room. Wallet day, in mate. your other yes. pants. Wallet in the glove box <laughs> of the car.
0: You know what will happen. Uber will come in.
4: Uber. We need Uber for, for ambulances. That's a fantastic <laughs> idea. Just jump in the back of the car. Uber ambulances are just cars with plastic on the seats, aren't they? Yes. Pre-pay, <laughs> yeah? yes. no flag fall. That's the important thing, you know.
0: Much cheaper for those short trips. Would they have surge charging, though?
4: Oh, absolutely. David, at times of high demand, say so there's been a, a bad crash.
0: Or a football yes. game. And Brian Errol and I continue our discussion of quirky news. You can hear that by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au where we also talk about teachers being given free public transport travel on buses and trains. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Errol Smith, Brian Smith, Professor Mikhail Bleemer, Alan Zervis and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You can listen to longer segments of the features, road tests and quirky news on our website at drivenmedia.com.au or podcast the whole program on iTunes or your favourite podcast service. I'm David Brown.